Welcome back, friends and fellow philosophers, to the Wild Isle podcast. I have back with me the legendary, the tall, the broad-shouldered Josh Broberman. This is I. Um, yeah, we've been wanting to do uh, another podcast for a while and haven't gotten to really catch up, have we? Yes, I haven't had much time for small-shouldered short men. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spit your coffee out. I'm just joking. I love everybody. All right, so uh, right before we started recording, you said that there's something relevant about tall and broad-shouldered and short and uh, skinny-shouldered. So yeah. what are you going with, or going with with that? So we're just gonna we're just gonna skip the shilling this podcast. That's a good idea. We should just get into it. We always shill at the end, Josh. We could shill at the end. We could shill at the middle. Uh, yeah. So you know, there's some uh, body type uh, preference. I don't know. Certain body types are good for certain things. Some uh, are good for gringos tacos. This episode is about gringos tacos. Wheeling, West Virginia. Old Grove. White red taco trailer. If you want to be more of a route, are you tired of being skinny? <laughs> Do you not struggle to breathe when you run? Well, come to gringos tacos where you can get the round shape that you've always wanted. All right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the uh you know different body types have are are better equipped to do certain things i know that uh the uh postmodernists might not agree but uh you know from my experience doing uh martial arts they uh they tend to to be better at certain things it's like the uh one body type's good at deadlifting and military pressing and the other body types better at bench pressing and squatting um i have i i have a pretty crappy bench press i mean it's probably it's better than like 99 percent of people in the world but that's not that hard to do um because it's 99 percent of the people of the world will, will eat like they're at gringo's tacos <laughs> in elm grove from 11 to 3 saturday through sunday um but you know uh i'm really good at military press and deadlift and uh but you know when i'm grappling sometimes not sometimes when i grapple with guys that are like shorter and stouter those guys can seem to generate a lot of force, uh, and they can uh, they can kind of like get in places. Like when I go against uh, one of our training partners, Ben Ben Giles, who's a college wrestler and a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt. When we do stand-up rounds, I feel he's you know he's probably like five foot seven, five foot eight, and he's about 175, 180 pounds, but he's just stocky and he's a great wrestler. And when I go up against him, I just feel like he just I'm tall and lanky. Like he has like I have no shot. I can't get low enough to stop him. He can just get in on me. And then when he gets on me, it's like he can just put the pressure on me. And we're just going to keep going until my big, long, lanky legs get, you know, pulled out from under me. And then we get to the ground and then I'll hold my own down there. Right. But it's like, I definitely envy those guys. Now, they also, now the other counterpoint to that is once we get to the ground, they have a real hard time getting, getting any type of control, getting past my legs, get getting past my hips. Um, they kind of get, they tend to get stuck and they bitch about it all, all day long. Everybody's always bitching about my legs and my arms. So, you know, there's a give and a take there, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of envy those guys. I'm like, fuck man. I wish I could just get under a person and just bulldoze them over. Yeah. It's a bit of a, the grass is always greener yes. scenario. And it reminds me of, um, the ungodly amount of Confucianism I've been reading lately. Um, I'm not going to get too far into it, but one of the ideas is propriety. Uh, it's a word that we don't really even use, and I think most of the time people wouldn't understand what it means. But I've really thought about what proper means because the, you know, the vulgar 
uh, heard, as they say, might come and think, well, it's just the thing that is accepted as normal or accepted as, as right. The word accepted being the key word there. But actually, I really thought about it. Um, and if that's the case, well, then you've fallen into the postmodern trap, right, where words are merely significations of, let's say, group power, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but I actually think that context is something that's real, right? Like in yeah. a particular context, when you are standing up, you're at a disadvantage. But when you go to the ground, you're now at an advantage. Context is definitely relevant in, in that well, instance. <laughs> yeah, and it, it kind of brings some... Um, objectivity to the whole realm of context like uh it's funny I, I often tell people nietzsche wanted to put the soul back into the body it's a reference to descartes mm -hmm. and i'm thinking now to um i think it was uh let's say jacques derrida who or maybe it was Foucault, one of those two bastards um they said there's nothing outside the text um now what they're saying there is like it's a stupid postmodern jumping off the cliff moment where it's like, oh, I can't know the fundamental objective reality, therefore mm -hmm. it doesn't exist. Yeah. In which case, I say, turn around, motherfucker, and I cock the hand. But here, but here, let me tell you <laughs> what you should do with your life. Or just slap them in the face <laughs> and say, there's no objective reality. If you close your eyes, it didn't happen. <laughs> well, Peterson says, uh, I think Peterson's response to that I heard once was like, uh, let me stab you in your hand and you let me know if pain exists. And I always liked that because you you do that's the the bottom of the um the uh what's it called when uh, nihilism that's the bottom of the nihilism argument. It's like okay, well if nothing matters, then why does this thing matter? Um, and I guess you could try to make the argument that it doesn't, but it does. Unless you're like a Vietnamese monk who can just set yourself on fire and sit there. With but then other things start to know, seem too. like they matter after that. I mean, okay, pain doesn't matter to you, but something mattered yeah, enough for you to set yourself on fire. Those fuckers are high on opium. Is, is, is that what it is? Yeah, they were like... Oh, damn. I thought, they were just, I thought they were just like in a state of meditation. That... Now, this is one of those situations where the, the legend can create uh, like a mythological figure. So this reminds me so of... that dude was just blowed. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Just tons and tons and tons and tons of opium. Oh, man. I could have done that. <laughs> it well, seems easy now. Well, it's really uh, interesting about that is, yeah. This, okay. So this is kind of important for anyone listening out there who might think like you're inadequate. The truth is that you're living in a hive of liars and they're all fucking inadequate, but they're all yeah. lying to you about how adequate they are. Sure. Why is that relevant? Well, just like the guy who seemed like he was a superhuman monk um, out there. Just a drug like, addict. Well, probably hadn't done opium before that, but when he decided to light himself on fire, just yeah, yeah. go you know, full tilt. Uh, but you, like, let's say you can achieve amazing feats, as a, not as amazing as the myth, but as amazing as the thing that you venerated. And there's no reason to stop venerating sure. it. Because, like, you might think, okay, it's not as impressive that, like, he had to take all the opium. But if I say, okay, go take a bunch of opium and light yourself on fire, you're still not going to fucking do it. No, right. So I mean, it's like putting people on pedestals yeah. and uh, thinking people are better than you. Um, it's an easy trap to fall into, too. But I don't know. I've, I've, that's something I've only had to. I think when you start to like test your boundaries and you do it for a while and you get good enough and you get around people who are who seem really excellent to you. If you keep progressing, eventually you start to, you might not be better than them, but you'll start to see the cracks and you'll start to go, oh, wow, they're just a human being. And then you start to realize everybody's just a human being. And it's like uh, everybody's a human being. They're just they're just faking it better than you. Yes, um, that's something that uh, just recently I've been thinking about quite a lot. How um, 
you know, I've, I've had a lot of relative successes in upward mobility and um, re recently, and it's all because I accepted, a, let's say, the state of imperfection a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think it'll be worth getting into why that is. Uh, but I've just been thinking how messy success, like real success is, like there's fake success sure. and it's clean. Oh, yeah. And it's pretty easy. Yeah. And then like, and then, if you know, that shatters in like a moment because reality isn't so so mm -hmm. clean um i want to tie that back into like propriety and context uh, and something else i had read uh from the works of mencius and he talks about how um you know you've got things that are dictated by heaven those are like the seasons right uh the things that come regularly mm -hmm. and then you have um key opportunities like they're just situations that occur that where you could make a choice and that choice would make all the difference and then you have, um, let's say, those patterns of behavior, habituations by man. And um, he is talking about which ones are, let's say, more important. And he actually points out a lot of the time, the key situation, like the situational opportunity, um, wins over all of those. Hmm. Um, that's really unexpected from a confusion right because you expect it to be like well no you practice you know, rightful conduct righteousness and benevolence and sincerity and then that brings you forward to like the most man and it's like well i thought about it and actually if you're willing to accept that you're never going to obtain to the perfect success and then that gives you let's say courage enough to try despite the fact that it's not going to be perfect because uh, what is it? Uh, perfect is the enemy of the good, I think is a, a common phrase. Mm. So like if, you know, I know I would not try something thinking that uh, I was not good enough to achieve what I thought would be like the perfect success. Sure. And then the moment you stop doing that and then you just try and you realize, oh, okay, I actually don't have to be anywhere near as good as I thought I needed to be in order to yeah, succeed. It's like ridiculous. Yes. And then all of a sudden, you realize there are all these opportunities that you didn't think existed, yeah. but they were happening all around you all the time. And uh, once you're, let's say, courageous and humble simultaneously enough to just say, the worst thing that happens is they'll say no. Yeah. And you just go, and then things start to, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, knock and the door will open. Yeah. I can't remember which. It's pretty remarkable how uh, that works. And you, it's even more remarkable is probably that, like, most people are terrified of... Uh, of like taking risk. And so there's just tons of opportunity out there. And all you have to do is, sh yeah, they say like 90% is showing up. And like, that's really true. Like 90% of everything is just showing up and like having the audacity to try. And then like, you know, you might suck at it. You probably will, but then, you know, you get, you get acquainted to your environment, you hone your, your, your direction that you're moving in and, and you hone the, the tasks you need to do in order to achieve some level of success. And you, uh, you know, you just grind it out. And then one day you wake up and you're like, Oh fuck. I like, I have really accomplished some stuff. And then like, I don't know, you know, in my life, it's like looking at where I'm at now, I've been on this kick lately. just talking about like, fuck, I'm, I can carry a heavy load. Like I can carry a heavy physical load, emotional load, spiritual load. I'm dependable, you know, like people can depend on me. And, uh, I was touching on this, like pretty recently talking to some people I was like, you know, all that comes down to like a bunch of 
little successes done repeatedly. Like I learned how to do the, like the, like I, I do a, these little things really well and I've been doing them for so long and they've built this foundation for me to do so much more. And it's like, uh, it's almost like you have to program that into your brain to be like on autopilot on doing the little things well. And that's why like, that's why people who don't do the little things well fail so, so like so often, right? Because it's like, they think it's like, oh, I just need to have that big idea, right? But really it's like, no, 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 I need to be able to like grind it out, like from the bottom to the top. And like, I need to be patient. Um, and that builds you the consistency you need in order to be able to get through the storms and the storms come. And so it's like, if you, you know, if you have this like a to Z mentality, the storm just wipes you off the fucking mat. The first storm that comes along, it's probably not even a big storm. You're just, you're just weak. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was like probably my entire twenties was, yeah, was mine too. Eight, yeah. And, uh, I think, you know, if we could ask or could bother asking where that comes from, because I know I had this notion, I'm going to get out on my undergraduate degree. I'm going to like, you know, I've got this education. Oh, 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 I should be able to succeed in the world because that's what, you know, they have just been told and I've just bought it without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And you come out in the world. And they're like, no, bitch, yeah, like, wasn't right. <laughs> you're just as useless as like five years ago. Maybe even worse, because now you think you're not useless. <laughs> there is no, there is definitely something to that. Um, yeah. You know, something to the, uh, let's say, uh, I think of it as almost a, an awakened consciousness to not sound too, like, woke. Uh, that's like deep woke. You won't hear that with normal woke people. If you read their stupid books, you will. But the idea that... I uh, won't. <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't... For anyone who wonders if it's worth reading... Um, it's not. It's... No, it's... It, you, well, I do want to talk to you eventually about, like, how much of this is, like, this weird esoteric cult. But we'll get into that much later. Because I, I actually, anyway, um, the consciousness, so you come out, you know, come out of university or maybe come out of high school, you start to enter into like your actual adult life. And what I noticed is I became immediately self-conscious in a way that I wasn't before. Mm -hmm. That I think uh, for a lot of people, as my espresso machine. I thought you had a dog. I was like, where's <laughs> this dog I hear licking itself? It's just the dripping of the espresso machine. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Folks. Ghost dog. Yeah, ghost. Have you seen the movie Ghost Dog? No, Mark. You should, not you seen should the see. Movie ghost. Okay, just remember for all of you out there, go watch the movie Ghost Dog. I'll it's add great. that to my list. Uh, it's things. about a. Uh, it's like Eastern philosophy inspired inner city black hitman. Uh, based on the whole thing has quotes from Hagakure all through it. It's really great. Um, okay, maybe it's. No, no, it's actually it's good. There's a guy in it, like one of the characters. I think he's Haitian. He only speaks French, and he's like the best friends. The other guy doesn't speak French at all. So they have these weird conversations where you're reading like the translation of the guy in French, <laughs> and like the other guys talk. They're talking about their own. Like they don't really words. understand each other, but they kind of do understand yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real. It's 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 fascinating. Yeah. Uh, that aside, uh, so you know, we talk about like a midlife crisis when people are in their forties. Uh, I know I experienced. I think something akin to that, but like. 20. You experience what's called a spiritual awakening. Uh, if we want to call it that, that usually sounds positive. It was. <laughs> I feel like no. I feel like a spiritual awakening is like. It's like this. It doesn't feel positive. No, it feels horrible because it, the initial the initial like feelings associated with a spiritual awakening are like a like like you're realizing that you something you you've done something wrong in your life. Like you've made you you came out you went off the path at some point. Um, 
but it's like you're no longer we've talked about this before like well you well, at least you've like realized that you're going down the wrong path now and you need to change things so that's like a very positive thing um it's kind of like right now with the economy like the federal reserve is raising rates uh by 50 points and like that's their their way of fighting inflation and then just recently they they decided on this most recent round of like raises that they're only going to raise it 25 points well they're still raising points but it's less points than before so it's a positive you know it's like a net positive in the long term and that's the way it's, that's the way it's viewed same with if you're you know going down the wrong path and then you fucking stop yeah, so if you stop going down the wrong path, just stop digging yourself. That's positive. Yeah. You're, well, you're in a net positive. It's, it's, <laughs> well, rel it's relatively positive. Um, certainly didn't feel that way when I realized it uh, and, and, you know, had that cessation. Um, You'll realize one day that that was probably the best thing that ever happened to you. Oh, no, I don't doubt that it was the best thing that ever happened to me. But like most good things that are good for you, like you tell someone to do them, it's like, that's horrible. Yeah, you just feel weird. I had a guy I was talking to who was in jail. And he, uh, he goes, I've been talking to this, I've been sponsoring this guy for years. And, uh, he goes, uh, for years, he's just kind of been in, for lack of a better word, he just didn't fucking listen to me. Right. I would say, Hey, you know, um, your drug use, um, and your general assholishness is the reason your life is miserable. And he would just like fight me on that always. And then terrible things would happen to him over and over. He's sitting in jail on the phone. He goes, you know what, man, I think, uh. I think maybe my drug use has something to do with why I'm in jail. And I, I said, well, yeah, you, you were, you know, you were on drugs when they arrested you for being insane. Um, but he had that moment, you know, he's in a jail cell and he's like, oh, fuck, you know, and he's like, he, he had this like beautiful moment. And I was like, maybe there's hope. I always had thought there was hope for him. Like, I always felt like God had a plan for him. And like, I was part of it. And I just. I would get annoyed with this fucker because he just wouldn't listen. I'd be like, can you stop doing like he's doing hardcore drugs? He would get clean and then he would just go go do them again. Um, and I would say and he would fight me while he was clean. He'd be like, this being clean shit's, you know, for the birds. You know, this recovery shit's fucking bullshit. Y'all are cult. <laughs> Whatever, man. My life is going really good. And your life, you know, is going to go better if you just stop fighting this this thing. It's like this reality that like uh your way you're off the path and like this is the path and you can walk this path but he just hated walking it and he would just fight me on it he'd be like antagonize me and he would like call me like i think i'm gonna get high today he'd be like don't do that what are you talking why do you call me he'd be like what? there's nothing wrong with getting high and i'd be like well yeah there's a bunch of things actually wrong with it and then he'd fight me on it and it was like the first time he was like yeah maybe like maybe i was wrong and it's like oh uh, yes yeah so uh this would be fun I'm going to take our um, anonymous jailbirds position for a moment. Can, when he said, okay, you guys are in a cult. Yes. So I actually think no matter what you do, you are going to participate in something that is like uh, a cult religion. Yeah, but we, we chant stuff. <laughs> well, no, that's, I mean, that, this is the superficial aspect, but this is kind of. But if they start asking us to wear robes, I'll leave. <laughs> if they start asking us to put some robes on, then you know. Yeah. So, well, you mentioned um, you mentioned God, and we had a whole conversation about faith, and we kind of boiled it down to a kind of attitude or disposition of, let's say, uh, love toward the world in a, such a way that you would expect that love to be reciprocated, right? Something like yeah. that. And or that, just like an idea that you have value, that you matter. 
Yeah, and, and if we personify like the universe, right? We say like we take the objective universe and we say this is like it has a it has a consciousness and agency, and for uh, us to say that you matter, like objectively like there's no debating whether you matter or not it doesn't actually matter if you matter or not that's the beauty of it um yes but then we're getting we're getting a little bit into the realm yeah of we the, don't have to decide whether you matter or not yeah. actually the, the point is just that in your mind you think that you matter and that by virtue everything else matters and you know down the hole we go yes um the, the it gets complicated because okay so um depending on how many concepts you can juggle at once how many levels of analysis you can you can think in at once that all is really clear but i actually am willing to bet that that little you probably didn't even notice that you were thinking on like two different how do we use the word dimensions but like there are two different strings of thought that you were thinking in parallel right so you've got the no probably, i mean i'm just a, you know you're the you're the intelligent one here i'm just a, a monkey says joe rogan always saying like i'm just a monkey like, hey man i'm just a monkey man you know no. but i don't know i don't i don't sometimes you talk and i don't understand what the fuck you're saying i just ignore my head well like i'll find a place did. where i can jump back into the conversation well, let me explain what you did because it was it was um sophisticated um but i think that probably a lot of people listening got lost in the same way that you didn't notice that the, the you were thinking on two planes at the same time so in one plane you have the idea that like if the if the universe is god or if god is the you know the the thing that is what constitutes the universe and it loves you then you are you are a value because it loves you because that's what it means to be a value right so that's one way of personifying it and if you're religious and you're a listener like you're gonna think okay yeah that makes perfect sense to me um if you are let's say you don't even have to be steeped in it at all if you can think in the same way that the existentialist philosophers thought then what you do is you say okay like this is like pretend i'm Kierkegaard for a second and i'm like okay we've got this universe and it doesn't it's not conscious it doesn't feel one way about us or another and like so all of a sudden it's like oh no like i have no objective meaning and then his conclusion is well I'm going to love the universe as, as if it loves me and by embracing it, I'm going to generate my feeling of significance yeah. because it's up to me, right? Nietzsche is the same thing. And, I'm going to love fate. You know, you could have a, I don't know. I always went with a simple, my simplistic way of justifying those, those beliefs is like, uh, there seems to be something within the human mind and body connection that is like, uh, positivity leads to like positive outcomes like if i think negatively i i kind of believe if i'm like a negative person i'm just gonna get cancer like my body if i think rot and garbage then i become rot and garbage i like rot yeah if i think rot i rot away you know if i expose myself to 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 you know like it's like junk food of the mind you know uh then i become my mind you know becomes fat and dies you know but like if I think positively and I and I interact with others positively, then I, I get that my body absorbs that. So I don't know. You can call it whatever you want. Call it energy, right? I mean, if, you, if when I when I when the vibes are off, I know something's not right. And so if you pay attention to that, if you're numbing your brain and body out with drugs or you know just disassociation or whatever, and you don't pick up on that stuff, then it's a problem. But um, you know, it's like you could also look at and say, hey, we're we're animals. Um, we're uh, social animals. Um, who operate within a group. Um, and uh, when we don't operate within the group, antisocial types, um, 
they don't, you know, you life, life isn't very good when you're outside of the group um, or when you're not operating in accordance with, uh, when you're not operating in a man that, manner that's like uh, conducive with the good of the group. Um, so, you know, if I live my life uh, in a way that's like hurting the world around me, I end up hurting myself because you could just say, okay, well, if I go to the gym and I start motherfucking everybody, well, they're probably going to beat me up, <laughs> you know, and there's more of them than me, or they're probably not going to be very nice to me, you know? So, you know, when I put good into the world and when I put good into myself, I get good outcomes. And that doesn't mean you don't get upended because people get upended, but for the most part, you get good outcomes. And I, uh, you know, what, what are you, what else are you going to do? You know, what's well, the alternative okay. to that? I can tell you what the alternative yeah, well, is. Yeah, we know what the alternative is. Yeah, well, this is kind of what I wanted to get at, right? So um, you actually don't have a choice. Like, So everything you described were essentially um, almost like axiomatic presuppositions. There, there are things that you're going to load into your thinking beforehand, and then you decide to start your start your program, right? Yeah. Like, um, and so that's one cult and that would be like the uh i'm going to use the nietzschean terms because i'm familiar with them the life affirming cult that's right? what you want to be in well you might also want to be in the life denying cult sure now i would not advise it it's not a pleasant place to be but the life denying cult actually wants to be in the life affirming cult they just don't know how to get there is the problem i think that that is mostly true that i i'm i'm I've, sure there's some outliers but... yeah there, there are a few people who once you have gone so far, um, there, I, Yoon talks about this, like yeah. once the ego has become so <laughs> fragile. There's no going back. Yeah. The, the cure would kill you. You can't like, we talk about this in recovery, right? It's like, you can't get at a certain point in your recovery, you could relapse, but you'll never get the old feeling of like bliss back from it. You'll never get it because in the back of your head. And I've had, I've had using dreams like this, right? Where I've got high in a dream. And I felt this dread come over me of like, what did I just do? And like, it's like, I'm high and I feel high and I feel this bliss in my body kind of, but in my mind, I know that I, there, I know, I know there's no escape, right? I, I know that I can't escape. And it's like a uh, shame comes over you. And it's like, uh, once you get enough taste of, of true enlightenment, um, or you could say like, once you've, walked in the light of god long enough you go like oh, okay there's actually there's actually there's a choice but the choice is between like terrible terrible useless suffering or uh functional useful uh healthy suffering yeah <laughs> that, that, like, that's it right you know, you pick get, your poison bitch <laughs> yeah like well if the buddhists are right in that um well i'll grab on a couple of things so buddhists and some zen buddhists so if um, life is, or if all desire is suffering, right? And uh, if Takuan, the Zen Buddhist monk, is right that just having a body intrinsically means you have desires. So no matter yeah. what desire, he starts out, which is kind of you think unusual for a Buddhist to say, there are no, there's no escaping desires. So immediately the whole idea of reaching Nirvana is now gone. Yeah. Okay. So what is that? Then you have to ask yourself, what are you going to do then? Because you're you're in trouble, right? Well, that's the whole right. That's the whole like mo of what we call addiction or addictive people even if you're not talking about drugs obviously a drugs is trying to escape the uh the feelings and so is everything else that that, that addiction roots itself in it's like trying 
to hit Nirvana. Um, but it's unsustainable and nobody can ever like really pull it off. So wonder why that is. Oh, well, it's because it's impossible to pull off. It's impossible to sustain. Yeah. I don't even think that they're trying to escape even. I have a, uh, a suspicion that what they're trying to do is bring themselves to an end. I think it's, I think it is a kind of act of suicide. And the reason why I think that is because in the, with the fundamental will for the life-denying cult, if we're going to call it that, that will that all things should come to an end, is exactly that. It is um, the inverse of realizing that, realizing the wrong word, accepting, right? So you're confronted with life, you've discovered that life is suffering, You maybe you have this notion in your head, this childlike notion that there could be... Um, there could be a world where this suffering didn't have to be. And now, in the front, that seems like, oh, if I could just escape to that place. But in order to escape to that place, um, you have to... Destroy objective reality. Yes. And there's, uh, if you read someone like Paulo Freire, who was like, he brought the religious side back into the Marxism. If you guys don't know, Marxist, Marx, when he was younger, was less strictly materialist and he was more kind of esoteric before he wrote Das Kapital. Um, and this guy, Paulo Freire, is a Brazilian Marxist. And he was also, um, what is they call him, a liberation theologist, something like that. Basically, Marxists pretending that they're Catholic in order to get into places and then teach all the Catholics to be Marxists instead. Right. Yeah, that works in South America. No wonder there's so much freaking socialism in South America. Mm -hmm. um, but It's going great, I hear. Yeah, he says repeatedly, you must denounce that the the conditions that are so you can announce the new world yeah and uh this is something that's really spooky that i discovered uh listening to james Lindsay. so you know um new age the term new age like new age religion kind of i guess you, you've heard the phrase before right i think okay well do you know what that means new age i would just assume it's something different from the um older views viewpoints belief systems that it's, uh that existed you know for a very long time um sort of it's that exact new world that paulo ferrari was just talking about yeah it's like oh this is oh we we missed it all for all this time we didn't real this was the actual way we need to live even though it doesn't have any like grounds it hasn't been tested correct and why is it so I mean, or it has been tested and just failed miserably yeah what well, brings for no well it depends what failure is right because think about it if the new age or the new world or the world that's going to be announced or the the blissful utopia or the return to the garden of eden yeah is to destroy the world and then all of successful. a sudden yeah now it's trying to make sense but even then it's still kind of failed because it's not really doing that good of a job i mean i don't know I think uh, of the Soviet Union, man. How close did it come to total annihilation of everything with nukes? Valid, valid. That got pretty damn close. Pretty close. From all of the world-ending pushes, like, I don't know if anyone was more successful. True, facts. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that different recently. I mean, there's talk a lot of talk about nuclear weapons. I don't think anything's going to happen, you know, but, like, um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. there's there's a like a lot there, there there there's one thing i've learned right in my time it's, and this is like important it's like i i find myself identifying more and more with like 
a Roman Catholic crusader. <laughs> you know? What, are you just going to go kill a bunch of Muslims? Well, <laughs> no, I wasn't planning on killing anyone. I just find myself rooted in this, like, I don't know, like, my brain just keeps going back to these, like, conservative, like, religious, uh, like, I feel like it's like a joke, kind of, but it's also kind of not, like, all that's left to be, like, a true rebel is to just be, like, a Christian conservative. Yeah, but you might want to pick something like a Roman Catholic crusader. They also went on a crusade through Europe to kill all the Jews. Yeah, but that's kind of the irony of it, right? Because, <laughs> you know, I'm a Jew. So, like, there's really a lot of weird feelings going on in me right now. I don't know. I might be converting to Christianity at some point. My father, I might wait till my dad dies and then do it. No, he's not too upset with me. But I don't know, man. I got, I got, I got a, I just, I have this, like, uh, there's something in like the like being strong and being uh like I said you know like being able to carry a heavy load bearing your cross you know like um the more I do that the more I become something like something fierce in the world right um something prominent that, that that's not easy to move um and the more I look at people who don't do that you know they're just little sniveling weasels and they, 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 you know, they, they, they could be knocked over with the, uh, with the, with the gust of a fart. And it's like, well, all you're doing is exactly the opposite of what I'm doing. So how can what you're doing, if going back to like the life affirming, right? It's like, it, it's not life affirming and it's clearly wrong and you're destroying yourself and you're destroying yourself because you're unable to accept yourself, your humanness, it's your fear of not being in control. And, uh, and now you try to explain that to them and they don't, you know, they don't ever get it unless um, eventually they have the spiritual awakening inside a prison cell. But like, this is what, what, what works. And it's like the life affirming nature of like, there's something in just, uh, there's something, I don't know. Well, I'm on to something. I got a tiger by the tail. I know that. And yeah. other people know it too, because they see it and they go, I, I want what you have. And I go, yeah, man, I don't, I don't fully understand it, but it's working. I can tell you um, what really has helped me that I got from you, from that you advised to me. So first, I want to say that uh, the Wild Isle podcast is not affiliated with uh, narcotics, narcotics and honest in any way, shape or form. Now that I've gotten that out of the way, because um, I want to make sure that that's understood, you advised me to read the NA basic text because there's a lot of good advice in there. and suggestions we don't give advice uh, yeah sure semantics um it's definitely advice uh but i'm not affiliated so i can say that <laughs> but you are affiliated uh, but you're not affiliated <laughs> the na the, there's a funny because it's like in the in the in the beginning of an na meeting you read this thing called the 12 traditions of na and like one of the traditions is like the na name uh is not affiliated with anything uh so as never to be like corrupted by it which is kind of funny that you like said it like that. Well, that's why I said it like yeah. that. That's exactly <laughs> that's, why. Okay. Um, yeah, that was the joke. But um, Nobody's going to understand that joke. <laughs> well, they will now. Unless they're in NA, then they might. Yeah, they well, one thing that helped me uh, quite a bit, uh, in fact, is a really embarrassing story. I was like reading the text, I think it was at Starbucks at the time, and they, I got to which, uh, which step was it that I was reading about? Uh, it might have been three, maybe it was... I think it was three where you would say we became entirely willing to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Okay. Well, thank you. Yes, so as you can tell, I'm, um, and there is a lot that's of talk stuff. about, we'd say God taking away 
all of your faults and fallibility when you're able to surrender, like allowing that to be kind of stripped from you. Um, And I like started just, luckily I had a hat on so I could like pull it down around my eyes, but I just started like weeping. Um, Yeah, no, that's real. That's a real moment that happens. I had that where it's like uh, that realization that you are loved and how could somebody, how could, how could I be loved? And it's like, oh man, and then you just break down and it's, it's fucking, I've had that quite a few times where you just ooze with gratitude because you're like, oh man, I'm like, I'm not alone. And it's a, it's a powerful moment. Yeah. And for me, I, I, I play around with the, um, the Nietzschean, like truth as a woman metaphor to think, think of this. It's just what appeals to me. And I think actually it might appeal to a lot of, if you're like a I don't know, lonely loser, young guy, um, like I've been most of my life. Right. Uh, well, look, this is good advice. So you can think of life this way. If, um, if life or a God or the abstract universe or truth, whatever the name you want to use, doesn't really matter. Um, let's take that Nietzsche metaphor is like a woman. Now she actually wants to love you. And in order for her to love you, you have to be willing for, let's say, to embrace her. And that's going to be painful because you're going to have to take on a bunch of fucking burdens. It's going to strip a bunch away from you. It's going to break you to carry that load. Mm -hmm. And that's like what it's like if you, you know, ever actually in a relationship with a woman, like you get in a relationship and then like after a while you have kids, you have responsibility and maybe you start like, you know, take on a lot of responsibility. And in that process of earning all those things, you have to work just to get laid. (laughs) Well, yeah. And you have to completely transform yourself. But the thing is, this is, this was the clincher for me in that reading that uh, third step was the idea that like it's used like God, if we say God is a woman, right? Or the or life of the universe is a woman wants to love you, wants you to be worthy of the love. Yeah. Which means like that con that then never, never clicked in my head before. Right. That's great. Actually. I mean, that's a really remarkable thing to, to realize. I, I never, I don't know if I thought of it that way before. Well, I read way too much Nietzsche and, that's and right. you are in, in, like insane. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so when, once you realize that it's like, okay, okay, it's not just that you could earn, let's say the affections of God, God wants you to earn the damn affections. And it's not that you're being refused out of spite or hatred. It's like, you're, you just haven't been willing to sacrifice. Yeah. You haven't been willing to love God as much as God wants to love you back. Yeah. And that, like that, was like, oh my god! Like mm-hmm. it just exp- now, you just understand suddenly. Oh my god! It's like I'm not, I'm not like, I haven't been forsaken. I just haven't held up my end of the bargain. Yes, and then you realize you could hold up because when you think that you have been, then you're you're Satan in Paradise Lost. Yes, right. You're like I'm. I can't remember why I was right in my argument or what my argument was. But like we went up against God, right? So that has to be correct. Mm-hmm. It's like no motherfucker, <laughs> you're wrong. Up. Yeah, that's why you're like a fucking Dude, fire. That's everything in life, though. Is uh, you know, it's like there's a way to be, there's a way to do things, and like, you know, if you're dependable, if you're reliable, if you're strong, uh, if you make try to make the right decisions, like people are gonna wanna wanna work with you, people are gonna wanna be friends with you, women are going to want to marry you or you know reproduce with you and it's like uh you know you have to do it's like you you have to 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 make the world better and the world will just reward you for it um 
you know, get people who walk around and they think the world's against them. And it's like, hey, you're against yourself, brother. You're making it hard on yourself. It's like my, my little buddy in jail, you know, he finally realized like, fuck, you know, it's like, it's me. I'm the one who's making it hard on myself. So, you know, there's something in acceptance too. First step talks a lot about learning how to surrender and accept and like accepting that like things are going to happen in life. And like, you're just going to have to learn how to deal with them instead of like constantly like making it a thing. It's like life, life, life just happens. This is another, you're just a part of it. This is another good place to throw in my life as a woman. Just like if you just constantly fight with your woman all the time, you're not going to be very happy. No. Um, now you got to be careful with how we, how we play around with the word surrender in this context. But at some point you do have to realize like, okay, if you want to earn the affections of a woman, you have to give up some things that might seem pleasurable in the moment. Like you have to, just yeah. kind of taking a responsibility, like. Sure. Well, it's the giving up of immediate gratification for long-term responsibility. Yes. Um, so like, you know, maybe you don't want to have to plan out for like every holiday and have like something special there and then plan out like date nights and then plan out like using the metaphor for like a relationship. But if you want your relationship to work, you know, it's like, is it really that much effort to like do the sentimental sappy stuff that like she's going to enjoy? Yeah, you do it. And, you know, what's the alternative? You can have, uh, you know, emotionless, dead, uh, you know, self, self aggrandizing I don't know, maybe that's not the word uh self-gratiating like sexual encounters that don't mean anything and just like you know i don't know i just remember before being in like a committed before being in a committed relationship i was just like out there like just just fucking whores <laughs> just fucking whores all the time dude like it was like uh i just couldn't you know i was just like it's never satisfying and like it was always just like uh this like short-term investment just i want to get this immediate gratification um and then you get in a relationship and the thing about a relationship too is like a relationship does change you you have to change because it's going to start to test you you know you, with a one night stand you know you can be whatever you want to be for that one night you could be a superstar but a relationship you can't do that you got to be like you got to be something of substance unless it's a totally dysfunctional relationship in which case i guess you don't but, you know, that's like the relationship, the woman makes you better. You know, it's like anything that, that pushes you to be better, like doesn't feel good usually in the moment, but like you kind of hate it and like you're pissed about it. But then like once you become better, you're like, oh, man, that thing really makes me better. Kind of hate it still, but it's like still pretty cool. Yeah, I wish I had a way. Well, maybe Mentris has an answer. There's something there's a thought that popped in my mind from a quote and um I'll say it now and I'll connect it back into this. So Mensch just pointed out that like if you are a superior man, the best thing that you could do is to uh, like teach those who don't have the wisdom that you have the wisdom so they can make themselves better. And then he follows that up with an, another sentence that's immediately important, which is and really the only way that you could teach them is through your example. And so by being doing the th very things that make you the superior man, you are. Uh, both teaching others and that's the very best thing you could even do yeah and people are watching that's the thing i've noticed too even uh i had a situation recently where a guy reached out to me who's got some serious addiction issues uh that are ongoing and uh he's completely fucked i mean his situation's insanely fucked uh but he sees me and i didn't even know who the, like i haven't talked to this guy in a long long time and I didn't think much of him. Kind of honestly, I thought it was a real piece of shit, to be honest with you. It was just like, uh, I know I know his history. Um, 
but he reached out and he goes, yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, he's just a human being who's just going through it. And, uh, his behavior, uh, you know, over the years might be pretty bad, but like, that doesn't mean that at the core of it, he's not just a person who's struggling. And, uh, we tried to, uh, we tried to, uh, get him on the path and it didn't, he didn't quite make it. He's not ready yet, but it was like, uh, this guy, just some random guy just pops out of the woodwork and it's like, asking for help and you're like oh shit like people are paying attention you know what i think because that question like what can you do now you can't fundamentally make someone you can lead a horse to water can't make a drink right like that's that's always going to be true um but i know i wanted to mention before we went on like i uh i did go with you to in any meeting i can't talk about like any one specifically there but uh one thing that hit me was how normal everyone there was and then yeah. I, I realized like these people well i wouldn't know i don't know if normal's the word look use. man like maybe they look normal <laughs> i i don't my impression was that the people that i encounter on the street every day granted we're in like west virginia so like take you know take sure great assault but like they weren't different like it made me realize that any single person that i i come across during the day could very well be um you know, have a have a history with anything really, yeah. um, and then that made me think. While you were talking just now about like you know when someone's not ready to lead the path and connecting that back with Mencius and our prior conversations, like what do we do? Um, I really think that we're la our lacking of a close community and our lacking of let's say a unifying. It's not even like a unifying culture it kind of is or unifying religion it's not really that but it kind of is like some a tribe yeah essentially like a tribe or uh, a clan or like some singular, not a clan well i mean a clan is <laughs> not a clan than, a clan is bigger than a tribe we're going with a tribe <laughs> all right i don't know yeah i think it's clans <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Is this like Ku Klux Klan? Is that the... Uh, hey, hey. Is that what you're that's thinking? He, that's what I'm saying. No, okay. We're not in an RPG. We just don't... We don't need any clans in the Sorry, real world. We that, avoid clans in the real world these days. Sorry, I read a lot of old Asian stuff and they had a lot of clans. I bet it. they did. <laughs> <laughs> but the Japanese had a lot of clans. They did. Um, but, but I think that's actually... Maybe one of the huge components that has been destroyed that our our you know sure. our meat monkey selves and people meat, are isolated like it's funny they're isolated in a uh cultural way I, what's the right word they're they're isolated in in an, in an extremely interconnected world somehow yeah spiritually um, dead i think you call spiritually that spiritually dead brother and it's like you know one thing you start to i think this is a cool kind of thing to notice is like um we reject those people, you know? Um, now granted, you know, I'm not telling, I'm not saying you like go out and try to find the most fucked up person you can and welcome them into your home. Uh, that's going to end poorly for you. Uh, but what I'm saying is that, you know, when they reach out or when, when they, when they are vulnerable and need help, you know, there's definitely something in like acknowledging that they're just a human being and that they have a, they have a sickness. Uh, they have a problem. Um, and I don't know, I've learned over the years that keep my expectations tempered. Um, but I, my sponsor once told me, he said, we're just here to plant a seed. You're not responsible to water the seed. You're not responsible to care for it. You just got to plant it. 
And uh, like with this last, this guy, I gave this example of, you know, I planted a seed that day and he'll, you know, if he doesn't die, you know, he's going to come, he's going to always remember that like, first of all, he's always going to know that like, I'm doing something right and he's doing something wrong. Right. He knows that now because he's already expressed it. Right. He, he, he sees it. Um, eventually he's going to get to a point where he either dies or he's going to go, he's going to go, man, I, I gotta, I gotta call Josh. And, uh, on that day I'll answer the phone, you know, whatever. And, uh, that's, uh, that's something we as a society don't really do. At least in the United States, we don't really do. And that's probably, uh, not great. No, that's definitely something that, um, I don't know if it's a consequence of... It's our monkey our monkey brains making us want to have a punitive result for things. You think so? Like a, like a, an yeah. act of vengeance? Yeah, that we, I definitely think it boils... If you go far enough... We like to hurt things. That's what we like to do. Yes. It's, it's interesting. Oh, ooh, here's a dark thought. Um, well, yeah, right. Um, so we have that instinct for revenge and we have that instinct for destruction. And I'm curious if the simultaneous destruction of our interconnected and close-knit culture and family, the idea of a tribe, is a consequence of the progression of the liberal enlightenment. Yes. So all the, yeah. So what that means is all the good things that we, you know, we say the United States, because it's an ideological nation based on those liberal, like English liberal principles, right? Um if it's very well the case that those principles, essentially the good part is they were kind of inclusive. Like you might say, well, like what about all the slaves and the landowners only being able to vote? It's like the very principles set up made it to where it was very easy to argue that like those things shouldn't stick around. Like you can kind of see if you look at the way the whole thing was constructed, it was like there are some blatant contradictions and here are some more fundamental principles. These things, you know, we pass them down a couple of generations. Mm -hmm. What was going to happen was kind of inevitable with the way that um the founding documents are written um but what am i getting at here i'm getting at those very foundations i think being so inclusive did not account for the i think dark side of our nature and the dark side of our nature is exclusive and requires let's say an enemy it requires something on the other side because if you can't have a tribe of everyone because it's not a tribe no the tribe is us and not them over you there. have to have a, a value structure a value hierarchy you can't just say every everything is uh is the same everything yes. is the same thing and as we become more and more global in our cultural conception because very you know very obviously we are i mean i know i listen to uh, like it basically if you speak english like um i listen to the british uh internet broadcasters people you know from youtube people from australia new zealand uh you don't even think about it. canada like you don't even think about it um and as more and more nations start to speak english if we don't all end up speaking mandarin in 20 years um <laughs> but what's happening is the speed of communication social media um all these things are making us more global and is it not the case that that necessarily is going to prevent many, 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 many people from, let's say, having the natural experiences that would allow them to orient their revenge-filled emotions in the right direction? Because, like, imagine if you don't have anywhere to put them, they're not going to go away. So where do they go? Where they go on to all of the spots where your culture is lacking. Mm -hmm. all, so, right? So, like... If I don't have a firm in-group and I don't 
so I have no I have no tribe to love. So now I'm just in this like murky water, mm-hmm. and I have this impulse to find an enemy, but there's no enemy because there's no tribe. So now, well, there's an enemy still. I think. Well, there, there, you don't need a tribe. You just yeah. But the <laughs> well, problem is, it's way worse to have the enemy. Okay, the enemy could be the opposite tribe over there, or the enemy could be the very people who otherwise might be your friends and family and the people out to help you or yourself. Well, that's like one of the crazy things. I had somebody recently tell me that like, this was in regards to racism, right? Which is a touchy subject. So it's like, not here on the wild out podcast. (laughs) Josh, you're allowed to be as racist as you like. I I don't want to be racist. I just, (laughs) we were talking about like how to deal with a racist family member. Right. And this person suggested you should just cut them off. And I thought like, well, you're telling me that this, ideology or belief system right now i obviously don't think racism is a good thing but i also don't think cutting your family members off just because they do something that's a bad thing right like which kind of goes back to what we were saying about like trying to nurse people back into a spiritual place um as opposed to just like casting them out right and it was like this is like uh like uh like the idea that comes to mind when you're talking about this and it's like we got to be more inclusive in bringing people in. And, uh, you know, like the liberal agenda, it seems like it just is fighting so hard to get away from like the Christian Judeo nuclear family concept. And in the process of doing it, it just seems like it kills everything that, that, that has any like natural value to us and like makes people think you're going to be happy if you do, if you do this or do this or do this when really, I don't know, and there's people who disagree with me, but I really don't know that there's any happiness to be had in the world other than like having a family and like doing the damn thing and being something that carrying a heavy load, having respons- the ability to be responsible. Yeah, they don't want it to be. They don't want that to be the truth. So in Confucianism, they don't mince words about it. It's like, look, you're born into a particular family and that gives you particular relationships. Um now you have duties based on those relationships. Not everyone's going to fulfill their duties great, but like you don't want to be the guy who faults on your duty because that makes you less of a good son or less of a good father or yeah. less of a good uh, wife or sister or brother or whatever your family relation is. And Confucianism doesn't parse words where they think the whole state is built on the family. Like basically mm-hmm. if, the, if the families are fucked, the state's going to be fucked and like you're screwed. Yeah, and they, I think they were right to be yeah. to be honest with that because like well, our families are fucked and like things are uh, getting progressively more like the dystopian hellholes that these would say progressive uh, ideas were tried in full force in yeah. the twentieth century. Yeah, it's like they uh, they have this war again. You know, they they. No, I mean, we're just going down the damn, we're just talking about the same damn thing we talk about so frequently, right? Which is like, you know, they don't want you to have a nuclear family. It's like they, 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 they want you to be able to do anything you want except for traditional things. And it's like, well, why are these traditional, why are these traditional things the traditional things? What got them to be that? Um, and it's like, was well, could it be that they work? Could that be it? But remember, they are, they want a world in which anything can work. Yeah. 
which is yeah well that's this is a this is the horror right like to realize like what they want is what i call the Rousseauian perfect freedom of the will yeah so like imagine like okay you can imagine like you're me so i'm uh like not even really five eight i'm like 140 around about like a little a little above maybe 142 um i'm not the i i often we talked about this envy like the tall the broad shoulder large muscular person i could i could be resentful at the archetype of masculinity because i'm not a josh broverman uh, right i'm not a conan the barbarian i'm not uh arnold schwarzenegger right and like even if I lifted Lucky a lot bigger, like because I, I don't take much effort to to get much bigger, I run way too damn much. But um, I could I could do that. But let's say that I don't. I could either have two options. I could accept that I have particular virtues and like those are my virtues and those those virtues that don't belong to me don't belong to me. They were not given to me by yeah, God. Sure. Or I could say my negative emotion at not feeling like I live up to those virtues is a form of oppression Yeah. by, by the universe. Yeah. But then if I say by the universe or by nature or by God, I'm still fucked because like, I can't do anything about those. So then I have to play another trick. Destroy everything around you. Well, <laughs> I have to do a little trick first because I have to make it something I can destroy. Yeah. And then I say it was society that did it. Yeah. Right, because I have to I have to move the oppression away from nature. Because as soon as it's on nature, no amount of socialism will save you. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's it's, theoretically, it's uh, not going to save you anyway. No, it won't. So I move it on to society, and then I I start to form these ideas. Okay, if it's society that is my oppressor, oppressor, yeah, oppressor, and it's the traditions are generated by the society. Let alone now, I've, I've divorced reality, so I'm not even thinking yeah. about where the traditions actually came from. Um, then what I could do is I could start to orient my vengeance on society and that that is how I'm going to gain freedom from my own negative emotion at not living up to something I don't want to live up to. And, you know, I can understand why someone might feel that way. Like uh, That's just an escape. That's just drugs. That's just drugs. Yeah. Drugs of the mind, just going down the fucking, just using your brain to go down the fucking rabbit hole. It's the same as thinking you're a magician, or the same as thinking that you're you're a sorcerer, right? Like you can do magic spells. They're just doing their spells. Yeah, I can understand that. I want to be a little bit sympathetic in case there's like almost no chance that you're going to last this long in the podcast if you are like uh, left wing oriented at this point. Oh no, they're out. Not only are they out, but they're on Twitter writing about us. They're canceling us. This. Please do. If you Wait. make this, <laughs> the best thing you could ever do is give me as much hell as Please possible. Please cancel us. It seems like that's the way you got to get canceled these days. If you're not getting canceled, are you even popular? <laughs> no, you're not. You're really not, you know? Like come on. So, uh but say something terrible. But then let me be sympathetic. At, uh Well, you can't right you're black. You're the you're the oppressed party here. I'm only like I have to say something terrible and I'm not going to do it. I'm not prepared for that. I guess the Jewish card doesn't get you very far this day, does no, it? No, no. Um, in fact, it's it's actually uh, there. The, the African-American uh, community is uh, there's a large portion of it that thinks that they're the Jews, actually. <laughs> then, yes, the, the Jewish gang or the African gangs. Oh, by the way, this is a funny thing to mention. <laughs> I might have my 33% uh, of a black card revoked because all the nation's of Africa that I am descended from were also all the nations that sold the Europeans as slaves. Um, mm -hmm. So there's like a 50-50 shot that like a big chunk of the 
African heritage were the slavers as well as wow. the slaves. So I'm also guilty. I don't know how many, like that means I only get half as many reparations. Yeah. We, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> you should just take a moment to apologize. No. Uh, the, what is it? The kingdom of Dahomey, I think was the, was the one where they, their whole nation was dependent on slavery. And like well, English. my, my people were all <laughs> fake Jews, apparently. <laughs> right. So, Apparently, at some point in time, all us Jews got together, all us fake Jews, sorry, and we all decided that we were going to replace the real Jews, which were a bunch of, of, of black guys, apparently, uh, or Arab guys. I don't know. Maybe it would be more Arab because uh, where that would have been from. But If it was Arab, that would be doubly funny just because of um, the opinion of Africans in the Arab roundabouts countries. Yeah. Uh, it's not very high. Uh, <laughs> they don't think very highly of us fake Jews. Uh, I mean, they also don't like the Jews. Yeah, like, well, we could get into a big basket. I was trying to be sympathetic to the leftists here. Uh, well, no, we could first. say we could say that like the same way we're sympathetic to like the drug addict, right? I yeah. mean, and that's really like if we want to be like the the overman, right? It's like that's really what we should be trying to do. They make it. They make it tough, but the, so does the, the drug addict makes it tough to love them because, you know, while you're trying to help them and you're driving them to an NA meeting, they steal $20 out of your fucking glove compartment, you know, and you got to remember that it's just the disease that's that's talking, the disease that's acting, and it's not the person inside. The real problem you run into is what do you do, right? Because you can't just start exterminating people because that doesn't work. And like, Christianity, you know, says like, you know, it's rooted in love. Like you, you have to, you have to, your actions have to be rooted in love for the person. Um, and the best thing I can say, that's why I love like recovery and addiction. Cause it just, you, it just permeates the whole world when you, once you get deep enough into it, where it's like, I can't make somebody quit using drugs. I can keep them at a distance, you know? I can uh, pray for them. I can hope that, you know, things, they come back. They, I can try to set a good example. But at the end of the day, if they want to do it, I have to let them do it. You know, if, if you're not willing to do what needs to be done, then I can't make, I can't save you or anybody, right? You have to save yourself. So, you know, if it comes down to it, though, we'll win the war. That's all I'm saying. We're going to try to avoid the war, but if it comes down to it, we're definitely winning that war. You know, I, I don't so. know. We might lose because they got AI and stuff. They probably have robots by at a certain point. We better actually, you know what? We better. Well, well actually, if they, if there probably wouldn't be a war, what there would be is just massive uh, population collapse. Because I, I was uh, listening to the, uh, the population. The population collapse. Dude, they'll kill, they'll kill a large portion of the population before like, that can happen. No, no, no. You don't. Okay. So when you do the math on how this actually works, it's really scary. So uh, what we're finding is people aren't having, people who have children aren't having fewer children. What we're finding is that fewer people are having ch children, period. Yeah. And the birth rates are declining. And what we, people don't realize, like, let's say if the birth rates go from like 0.9 to 0.8, it doesn't seem like a big difference, right? Like point, like one on a yeah. problem. Like, but actually um, what that difference does is it moves exponentially. Um, so it's a positive feedback because what you realize is when fewer people are having children, so there's fewer population to replace the people who were there before, yeah. there are going to be fewer people to have children in the next generation yeah so that means it's that like a even, fibonacci sequence yeah and now imagine if that trend can like consistently happens for like 
three generations or something. Yeah. You it it's even if it totally re, like reverses after that third generation, they're at a huge disadvantage. There's just like even if they're all having a whole like brood of yeah. children, they're just like it's going to take them forever to make up the numbers. Yeah. Now you won't see the population drop until people start dying. But the reality is, like, you once people start passing, it's just like the numbers down, 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 mm-hmm. down. And even before that, you're going to see mass poverty because what people don't think about yeah. is they got to take care of all these people. Yeah, and there's fewer the and fewer yeah. and fewer of them to do it. And I actually think the great the great vengeance against God is probably to get to convince enough. It's not even convincing, right? Because that sounds like it's a cabal of people doing it. And while there is definitely a cabal of people trying to do it, you don't even need the cabal. Mm-hmm. Once people lose enough faith in humanity and in life and fail to live up to conditions by which they could really, you know, have a family and, and be successful and, and do that, um, all you need to do is decrease the pop, uh, rate of population growth steadily. Um, and then it will fall out like the mouse utopia experiment because that's what happened in the mouse mouse utopia experiment. Um, and, and you see it like happening now you see those, uh, you see like the violent in that experiment, like the, the female rats be, was it rats or mice? They were mice. The female mice got like super uh, aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Became masculine. Yeah. And you're seeing a lot of that. Um, and then you're also seeing like, the, what was it the uh the beautiful ones the male mice that like yeah. just wanted to groom themselves all day well, that was half of them yeah they became like that's all they did just groom 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 yeah. the other half became like hyper violent like yeah. combat like combatants down at the bottom of the... And, and fuck yeah for those mouses <laughs> that decided to get hyper violent because that was a good time to do it you think that but really what they're like are like la gangsters yeah um and what la gangsters are like are just like losers sitting like all they do is like bum around on a corner all day yeah. Like most of them don't earn even the <laughs> ones fight. selling the drugs. They're just sitting around drinking, getting high. Yeah. And then like if they see someone who's they who they can outnumber on a corner, then they all like pull out their like fucking uh probably not even Glocks, like probably high points, right? This is like a cheap plastic. <laughs> yeah. Like a Glock is mostly plastic, but like even more plastic than yeah. a Glock. And like, you know, front a whole bunch and scare off someone who doesn't stand a chance because they're outnumbered ten to one and then like that's their whole lives. Well, fuck me. <laughs> but I'm serious. Like that, those are the kind of losers. When you really yeah. think about it, it's like the only reason you yeah, can live there. They're nerds. They're just little, like, uh, like insecure little bitches. Yeah. Um, and so that's like the, those mice. And then there's like the few, the few male mice who are actually still breeding. Yeah. Uh, also another terrible thing is the female mice would neglect their pups. So like they would go to move them. Cause that's, you know, animals do like, I'm going to move them over here and just forget half of them and let them starve to death. Yeah, well, you know, right? <laughs> That's what happens, I guess. Yeah. I mean, wait, the moral of the story from from the beginning of this to 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 now is like we need strong men in the world. You know, I think that's like the family is anchored at the end of the day by a strong male role model. Um, strong men make the world go round. I, I think we, we should need even to make say stronger strong. men. I do agree that strength. Or maybe I think, strong people. I think brave or courageous is perhaps. A better starting place because you can't get strength yeah that's fair you're... yeah that's reasonable i've really been thinking about it because my my problem had never been like a lack of strength like my i guess when i say strength i mean like to be mentally strong 
and physical strength will even mental strength like i was i do like really hard things every day but i was like a coward maybe spiritual strength then i don't know emotional strength i don't know emotional okay, strength i'm not is saying it. that 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 isn't <laughs> important and you need it it's necessary you're right. we need we need courageous men we need men who are willing to carry a heavy load yeah like willing to realize that it might like knock you over and you have to drop it or maybe you have that's to kind a... of the goal actually is yeah. for it to knock you over you're supposed to try to carry things so heavy that it knocks you over because otherwise you don't know how much you can carry yeah right like that's the thing so because i want to wrap this around to this is life is messy mm-hmm. and that means you have to be courageous enough to look like a fucking idiot and look like a fool yeah. and to embarrass yourself and then to realize how pathetic you are yeah um, and, and to forego all the, you know, you're going to look like a fool because you're going to forego a lot of immediate gratification in that process. And then if you do that, then all of a sudden you that allows you to either become spiritually strong or certainly will make you spiritually stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will allow you to utilize the strength because you could be as strong as like samson in the bible but if you're afraid of the damn lion you're never going to go yeah. kill it with your bare hands or if you're out there doing you know fuck shit with your strength you know beating yeah. up little kids and stuff or beating up women or whatever you know yeah man we need stronger stronger braver men um and i think that's our only hope really at this point yeah and i'd like to be like for me it's like okay this is what works for me i'd like to be able to like when people go like, man, my life's messed up. And it's like, okay, cool. Come do what I'm doing. Come to the gym. Come to a meeting. You know? Eat chicken. Or as Ben <laughs> Ben Ben always says, we started this talking about Ben. We should end it talking about that. Ben always says, chicken's a weak bird. So maybe <laughs> eat turkey. <laughs> I don't know. You could go in a fucking little pen with a rooster and tell me how you're going to get fucked up. I can't even fly. <laughs> yeah, but they don't tear you open i know it's just a joke but at the end of the day you know it's like uh yeah we need stronger men and uh and that's it i think it's a good place to uh to wrap up this one it was great having you back on Um, great to be back yeah i hope to be doing these a lot more frequently so we could uh maybe have a more formal topic this was like uh we decided to do it this we were going to talk about martial arts oh that's right and uh uh I don't. I thought you knew that, and you just we started going, and you just we went down the philosophical route, which is fine. Um, but I guess we talked about uh, the martial arts of the mind. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, that's something to look out for next time. We'll delve like do a deep dive into martial arts and uh, what that means and proper practices and all kinds of stuff. I'm sure. All right. So uh, before I go, let's see. Now I have to shill. Shill. All right, so if you guys didn't know or if you did like that and didn't know, I'm an author as well. I write fantasy fiction along with a bunch of other stuff, particularly as you're blogging on philosophy. You can find all of that on my website, wildislelit.com. I'm also a freelance editor, and I can uh, be available to edit your manuscript. Uh, Particularly, I do fiction, but I can do nonfiction as well. Uh, My rates are very competitive, and I really enjoy working with you guys. It makes me a better author, a better editor. Um, and makes your stuff better and publishable and you'll learn along with me because I also have an MFA. So I'm going to teach you all the stuff that I learned in grad school. Then you don't have to pay $100,000 to go to grad school. You can just hire me for like, I don't know, 80 bucks or something. It's cheap. All right. And uh, anything else? You can find more of these podcasts on my website as well. I'm on YouTube. Uh, you can look up my name, Marquise D. Little or just Marquise Little. If you don't know how to spell it, uh, go to my website and find out. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say, Josh? Or we sign off here? Just that we need stronger men, man.
Stronger, braver men. See you guys next time. Later on.